Podcast episode 202. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. Host number three, as always, Corey. What's going on, boys? I must, man. It's a pretty relaxing, chill week in crypto land. Um, price went down a little bit. I think it's like 8400 Yeah. Um, when I say a little bit, it's like $1,000, but whatever. What's up? I heard that every time consensus hits, though, the price goes up fairly high. Mm-hmm. I think I so remember last year, Ethereum went up really high. Actually, they both went up really high. I, I want to say yeah. that, was, that was what happened. Ethereum went up from like in the $100. No, from in the double digits, $30 to $300 last year after consensus. But yeah. that's not to get anyone hopes up, anyone's hopes up, because I think you you can't have that kind of percent gain again, and with where we're at now with with ether, because then that would mean ether would be like eight thousand dollars, right? I mean, well, it wasn't just last year; it was the last three years. Consensus has created um, a rise in price. Okay, that's I would true. say that it's a different time now. I mean, a year in crypto is forever it's so long yeah. in terms of like what how much has changed since last consensus we went through an entire ico boom uh bcash forking off of bitcoin upgrades the segway like so much has happened over the past year since consensus as well as the amount of um conferences you can go to to get access to this information right mm-hmm. like icos are just kind of becoming a thing right out of consensus because i remember going to the token summit i think it was the first token summit um directly after it and that's when like that's what the conversation was about and now we like, i don't know like it's it's like the fact that we have so many different conferences you can go to people aren't just waiting to hear what at, at on bated breath what's going to happen at consensus because that's what everyone's waiting to reveal all their secrets on you know what I mean? Because previously, mm-hmm. like, you would wait to reveal whatever big news you had at consensus. I don't think that's going to be as much the case this time. How many people are supposed to be there? I think like oh, six, seven thousand people signed it's up. Absurd amount of people. So, they made so a lot of money off too. this. It's so expensive. I'm upset with consensus, man. To tell you the truth, I'm pretty upset. Well, yeah, because I, yeah, go ahead. It costs too damn much money to go to that conference. And it kind of like it fights back on adoption being the only thing that matters because not every Joe Schmo 
pay $1,500 for damn ticket to go watch people talk about crypto. And I get that. Oh, we're just trying to make money, man. We're just kind of lights on. We're coin desk. We're, we're trying to keep the lights on. We have, we got people to pay. Health insurance is expensive now, but at the same time, I don't think you have to charge that much money for people to go to that conference. No, I mean, it does, it does limit the amount of people who, who are going. So you, your demographic on who gets to go changes. So maybe not as many scammy type things or maybe all scammy things. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, but, uh, I think this is where was about to say something like we, we, we applied as media sponsors to consensus really early and we didn't hear back for what 40 days 40 days yep and they're like oh we, we, we you know due to the amount of volume we have of people coming to media sensors we can't allow you to do it and it's like was that the case 40 days ago or did you just get to this message because <laughs> we sent you multiple emails trying to get a response yeah and they're charging six figures for sponsorship i i kind of feel like that should offset the price of a ticket i mean if you get more people through the doors your sponsorship's going to be more valuable I don't understand why the price of the ticket has to be absurd and then sponsorships are so absurd, but it's going to be a successful event either way. Yeah, it'll be great. I'm sure I think you get it. We get it. They're trying to make that paper. I get it. But sure. we're going to be in the Czech Republic at DevCon 4. That's yeah. right. We're definitely going to Prague. Yeah. So for we those that didn't hear Prague, the news, yeah. DevCon 4, was it like October? What are the 30th. dates? Through November the 2nd. Yeah, October 30th through November the 2nd, DEFCON 4 is announced to be in Prague. So uh, wait for the tickets to go on sale. And when they do, buy them because I guarantee you that will be sold out. And if you're not familiar with geography, that's only four hours from Germany and four hours from Budapest in the other direction. So you can have like a really cool European vacation and Prague is right in the middle of all that. Yep. You know, I'm half German. I've never been to Germany. So that's, I'm probably going to, Check it off my bucket list. I'm zero percent German, and I've lived in Germany for four years. <laughs> Everyone's lived in Germany if you're in the military. Yeah, I went to Berlin. Right. For well, a while. I mean, you didn't have to tell them that. You could have let people think I'm like, oh, a globe globe globetrotter. Uh, globetrotter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to sound cooler than I was. I lived in Kaiserslautern, where they hate babies. What? I just remember being yelled at by my German neighbors a lot. That's my most well, fond you were, memory. You were kind of a dick. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. From the ages of zero to four, Corey, can you be a dick? Or can you just be a kid? You just were you be like a, child? a colicky baby who just cried a lot? Or like did No, you get... I was actually kind of a kind of a spectrumy baby from the story what the stories tell of my family. I just kinda of stared at people and didn't talk until I was almost three. Interesting. That changed. I like how you call them spectrumy babies. Uh, that's politically correct now, right? Don't you say on the spectrum? You don't say. I don't know. I don't know. Half, never go full. Never go full read. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I just did the, just the headers yesterday or two days ago. So so news is fresh on my mind. The only article I really liked is there was an article that came out last week that was um. It'll show you how to launch and start up an Ethereum smart contract at 30 minutes flat. And I was like, hmm, that seems like that could be resourceful. It's in the database. If you guys um, listening want to go check that out. I'm curious. Um, I, what what do they assume you already have set up? I don't know. Um, 
that's an article we didn't get to talk to because that show takes a very long time. Oh, right. um, but other than that, the only they keep bringing up this Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, Bill Gates thing. Like this is the third week now that it's been in the news. Exactly. I don't know why. Um, and the other thing is like BMW is going hard in the paint on blockchain tech. Um, they're trying to put it in everything, according to the article that we read. Like, um, I don't know. One of the, a part in the article mentioned having a your car having a wallet, and I was like, dope. I don't ever want to pay a toll again. I don't ever want an envelope to say you owe some city money ever again. For real, I'll get so many more tickets, and I won't even care about it. Yeah, and like, what is it? Is it um, what is the uh? They always like, hey, you don't want this envelope? Pay one hundred fifty dollars a year for for toll pass. What you say, Cello? I was about to say the Texas tag thing. Yeah, but the thing is, is I'm not driving on those tollways enough to merit one hundred fifty dollars a year. I'd rather just get the ticket and pay it fast. But it's just annoying, you know. The technology exists now. Put a wallet in my car. I'll zoom through your toll. It'll pay you. The future is now. I see. I don't know. Like I think this this year is going to be a massive year of alternative blockchain methodologies in terms of a lot of these other projects who want to build a blockchain in a different way or trying to scale things in a different way will start to actually mm-hmm. come online and have SDKs and products and things that you can use to then try them out, use their network. And some of them may end up working. There's a few of them that I have my eyes on that I'd, I'm, I'm excited to see. And they may have niche use cases that work for specific things. Like, so if BMW latches onto a specific network because it works better for what they're trying to do, depending on what they're trying to do, that could be mm-hmm. huge. If some enterprise latches onto a specific network that works for what they want to do. It, it, I, I think that this year and next year, all these technologies are going to take a long time to be like vetted. We're going to see a lot of changes or like options or new ways of doing things that we didn't quite see, or like we kind of scoffed at thinking it would never work until it actually ends up working. Cause there's a lot of people who previously thought blockchain was stupid who are now fully into the space, but are trying to do it their own way and are using their previous domain expertise in distributed networks or computing or high performance computing, something to build what they think this place should look like. And once those come online, they may end up working better. Mm -hmm. I think that like, that's kind of what I've been gaining from hashing it out and talking to different people and how things work and why they think their methods going to work a certain way. And so like we've got a long ways to go and it may not look like Bitcoin or Ethereum when we get there. It may, depending on what those projects do to change themselves or mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty interesting. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if consensus has morphed into a, this is our blockchain project as opposed to this is our ICO or project on the only blockchain that's available. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it's going to be a little bit more of the prior. And I also think that you're right. We have so far to go. I do think that we're going to start to see a fusion of like existing technology with the blockchain stuff, like you said, like, and kind of like your, what your, what your talk speaks to you. Yeah. The pendulum 
because you just can't do things, everything on a blockchain. And people need to realize that. Not according and, to Roger Ver, which we'll hear about he, soon. Yeah. yeah. Like the technology is absolutely available. If every single refrigerator on the planet and that's ever made wants to communicate with the blockchain. I think Anyways. he puts too much hype in Moore's Law and what its availability of technolo- computing technology. Yeah, uh, Moore's Law has been slowing down for a little while right now. Is that that's correct, right? That's it's not. It's different. It's not the same as it used to be. So the way we're scaling okay. is drastically different, and how you build on the way we're scaling is drastically different. So serialization isn't a thing. And I read. Um, I, I'm a big fan of um, Kurt. Uh, Vonnegut? That's the last name. Not Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, Ray Kurzweil? No, Ray Kurzweil. Ray Kurzweil. In his book. And he outlines where we're at on Moore's Law. And he's like, yeah, it's going to slow down. And then by the time it's like almost done, we will have started doing computation with other things. Maybe organic computation, like by programming, I don't know, plants or something. I know people are doing that. And quantum will be a big, big part of that. How quantum, yeah, quantum work is will definitely winning be a big part right of now. Quantum is winning right now. And then like, um, there was this other thing that he talked about, but they're so far behind quantum that it looks like quantum is going to be the thing that leaps. And then we don't even know, right? We don't even know if Moore's law applies to quantum, right? Does it? There's a kind of an analogy, like a, like a analogous Moore's law for quantum computing that they're trying to follow, but it's not, it's not a one-to-one. It's hard to say. Mm. There needs to be some something... step function basically that needs to happen before quantum computing could take off and they're still trying to figure out how to do that or what it looks like to allow that jump in computational ability. Mm. You guys are uh, getting hashing it out on me. Losing you. <laughs> Jello's falling asleep. Losing you? Jello's Stay falling with asleep. us, Jello. Stay with us. What breathe. do you want to talk about? Yeah. Bring some... I, I, I've been seeing a lot of posts on Reddit about people who have been holding for the last couple of years and They've cashed out and rewarded themselves by buying a Mercedes Benz, and it has been blowing my mind that you've been holding for years on an appreciating asset to go and spend it on a depreciating asset, and it's very rich dad poor dad. It, it just doesn't make sense. Did you say so, anything to them about how dumb they are? I have, but then everybody kind of gets on you, like, "Oh, you need to congratulate this person." You know, th- this is these are threads to celebrate, not to yeah. bring logic and reason into. I mean, I bought a car, but. It wasn't a Benz. It was something that's going to yeah. last me for a long time and it isn't flaunty. But you didn't cash out, though. You, know, you just took you some, something off the top. Oh, no. I, I yeah. just skimmed. Cello, and that's true what you said, too. We didn't cash out. Well, that goes to Hoddle Plus. And uh, we, we should try and get Kiyosaki on the show. And maybe we can outline how to Hoddle Plus. That was with yeah. crypto. That reference be- to Rich Dad, Poor Dad is from Robert Kiyosaki, who has a bunch of books on yeah. how you should be spending your and thinking about your money. And if you want to hear how exciting Corey and I's undergrad years were, we used to get drunk and play his board game on Friday night, <laughs> cash flow. Um, rat race. Was amazing. Getting out of the rat race. That. Get out of the rat race. What did you say, Cello? We tried to play that. It took three hours and we were still in the rat race. And I was like, this is... Yeah, you never get out of the rat race. Yes, you which do. Is part of the game. No, I'm kidding. You're supposed to. It's the name of the game, yeah. man. Got to get out of that so the game, circle. The game was mirroring my real life, and I was having no fun with it. So we <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. He was like, what do you mean have a kid? And I was like, you have a kid. Your money's gone. 
And he was like, but I, this isn't even a game, really. Yeah, we're just playing my not, life. Yeah, we're just Press. playing my life. I don't want to play my life. And I was like, well, this is for younger people then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this um, is a reminder of all the poor decisions you made in life the older you play that game. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was a bad idea. Um, because I was the only single one at the table, so I was like, "Yeah, this is not fun for this is not fun for them. This is real life." Um, I have one kid I taught named John. I'm not gonna say his last name, but he got out of the rat race in like twenty minutes, and I was like, "You're you're going somewhere, kid." That must you're have been going, like the high risk, high reward track. Mm-hmm. He went on that high risk, high reward track. He did. I was like, you're going places. Um, yeah, I mean, Joe, you're right. That doesn't make much sense to take something that appreciates, especially at this level of appreciation over what you what would traditionally be considered an investment, which is like five years. Um, the five-year payoff of crypto to, to take that and cash it out. One, you're exposed to the tax ramifications. Two, uh, you're buying something like a bins, like something that's going to depreciate. Like every day, um, it seems kind of stupid. I think like yeah. the, a, a, a more proper scenario would be like, hey, I cashed out and then I've maxed out my 401k and bought a emergency fund and diversified my funds into different assets and I still have some over. And now I'm I'm set to go to retire early as opposed to like I bought this flashy ass thing and now I get mm-hmm. to flaunt it and make a make people look at me. Yeah. Stories like that also end with a follow-up five five weeks from now or, or a year from now. I cashed out my Bitcoin, bought a Benz, it got stolen. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. And you're like, I mean, the universe rewards you for your stupidity. That's what you get. Uh, I shouldn't call anybody stupid. That's I mean, Benzes are nice. I'm not, I mean, if, if, it, if you need a car and it's a lot of money, I wouldn't say cash out all your money. I don't know. Once again, it's one of those things. It depends. It depends on where you're at in life and what you need this money for. If you can't pay rent and you cashed out all your crypto and bought a Benz, then you're an idiot. If you're, you know, coasting and your life is set up nicely and you don't need the funds and your crypto makes some extra money, you cash it out and buy a Benz and it doesn't really affect your ability to continue living in the next, in the, in the foreseeable future. Congratulations. You know, there's, there's some applaud for making some money that, but that applies to a very small percentage of people in the world. So mm-hmm. I don't really care if someone who's doing well is doing better. Yeah. I agree. Do you think he's took DJ Khaled's all I do is win and then replace it in his mind with all I do is bins. So all I, I do is bins. I'm bins, sure he bins, has a full <laughs> a full week of euphoria. I'm, I'm sure his life is going to be great week. for two, three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Till he has. I've been sleeping in his thing bins. In. He's got to take that thing and get yeah. it serviced, and he's like, "Oh, gotta <laughs> cash out again." Wait a second. Are you trying to tell me this is a $120 windshield wiper? Yes, sir. It's got a bins emblem on it. Hmm. He might as well like pull up his portfolio <laughs> and watch it go down five hundred dollars every day until it hits zero. That's basically what he did. Yeah. Um, I don't have much else to talk to. You. I mean, this this interview think, is long. Yeah, this interview was very long, so we should probably cut to it and then cut right back. Um, 
wrap things up and then let you guys enjoy your day. All right. Not too many people that really don't need any introduction, but I will preface by saying we never talk about Bitcoin Cash on the show and we try to keep an open mind. So, uh, Roger Ver, let's get into it. Yep. And this interview is brought to you by CryptoPub. It's a newsletter to make your days better. That's whack. Um, but it is an e-magazine. Um, so an electronic version of a regular magazine. And But this stuff's about crypto. Um, there's op-eds. There's trading advice. There's technical guides. Um, there's a nice, easy-to-read color palette. Uh, so good on the branding there at CryptoPub. Um, $99 for the newsletter, but you get the first entire year free. And then the second year, you're going to forget about it. And they're going to charge your credit card automatically or your shift card <laughs> automatically. And you're going to say $99. I don't remember going on Amazon lately. Wait, it's going to be the guys over at CryptoPub. Can't you buy it, uh, get a free year and then cancel your credit card? Yeah, you could get the free year and then cancel your credit yeah, card. No one does I mean, that, like, though. I mean, the, yeah, who does that? I do that. I had a Hulu subscription for a year before I fucking was like, I was, I was like, I don't even watch Hulu. There's nothing on Hulu I watch. And they got me. They're actually banking on that. I bet you there's a metric. I bet a lot of people bank on that. That's like most subscription yeah. services banking on is that people forget about them. If, if they're mm -hmm. not consuming their material, they just forget to cancel. Hmm. I wonder that there's a metric that says like a, you know somebody's not reading your stuff but they're still paying for it. Metric. I guess if they're still paying for it, that's. The I metric. bet. I bet Netflix has enough data to be able to figure out how what percentage of their list of their subscribership is actually consuming content. These are interesting conversations. Anyway, Netflix. I hope you're listening. Netflix, can you put more HBO shit on there? You're running dry. I want to see Westworld. I want to see for free. It's on HBO. HBO oh, will not shit. be free. Yeah. Crypto pub. Crypto pub. Um, so Roger Ver, everyone. Bitcoin Jesus. Here it is. All right. Today on the show, we welcome back Mr. Roger Ver. Uh, in a in a previous life, he had a, a decade of experience selling computer hardware, and now he's a serial entrepreneur, serial investor. And uh, the last time you were on the podcast, I think it was back in March 2016, and a, and a lot's changed, lots changed. And nowadays, I, I, you know, it's painful to say, but when people bring up your name now, it, it kind of creates this divide where they're saying, you know, you're spreading falsehoods and so on and so forth. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you that. But what I will say is, that D and I hung out with you briefly at DEF CON 3, and I'm not just saying this because you're in front of me, but you were, you were like one of the nicest guys we met all weekend. You, you greeted us, you gave us stickers, you chatted for a bit, you were very pleasant. So I want to I wanna ignore the internet noise. We don't ever talk about Bitcoin Cash on this podcast, and we're not Fox News, we don't have an agenda. We, we like to cover everything that's useful. So we wanted to invite you on the show. And I, I was curious for you to just tell us a bit about your stance and your advocation of Bitcoin Cash and mostly why the original Bitcoin white paper deviated away from a proper cash system. 
in your opinion. And then from there, we can kind of generate a good back and forth for the next half hour or so. Does that sound okay? That, that sounds perfect. Um, I, I guess the, I, I don't know why the Bitcoin white paper, why the, the current version of Bitcoin Core deviated from it, other than a bunch of people got involved in Bitcoin that didn't think that the Bitcoin described in the Bitcoin white paper was a good idea. So they, they managed to change the project into something that isn't even remotely described in the Bitcoin white paper, yet managed to at least try to keep the Bitcoin name. And I guess part of that is why they're so angry with the people that are involved in Bitcoin Cash, because Bitcoin Cash is using the Bitcoin name. Whereas if you look at it objectively, I think Bitcoin Cash has way more of the characteristics that make Bitcoin Bitcoin than Bitcoin Core does at this point. And at the end of the day, all sorts of arguing on the Internet, name calling and this and that, that doesn't change anything either. And it's, it's not the fact that Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin that makes Bitcoin Cash great. It's the fact that it's good money. And at the end of the day, all these name calling and, and personal attacks and censorship and that sort of thing doesn't change what makes good money good money. And if you take a step back, and if, if you just called one coin A and want the other one coin B, it's a uh, you know coin B that's fast, cheap, and reliable uh, is better money than coin A that's slow, cheap, and unreliable. And if you look at Bitcoin Core versus Bitcoin Cash, you have coin A and coin B there. It, uh, Bitcoin Cash is just plain better money, no matter what you call it. Uh, whereas Bitcoin Core is not. So in the earliest days when I first got involved in Bitcoin, I remember people saying Bitcoin's stupid. Nobody's ever going to use that as money. Uh, you know, this is a scam. This is a Ponzi scheme. I, I heard all, you know, very, very similar arguments to the ones that I'm hearing against Bitcoin Cash now. But I was right back in 2011 when I said the world is going to start using Bitcoin as money. And today uh, I'm very confident that I'm right when I say that more of the world is going to start using Bitcoin Cash as money than Bitcoin Core simply because Objectively speaking, all name calling and censorship aside, Bitcoin Cash works better as money than Bitcoin Core does. I have a, I have a bunch of different directions in which I'd like to take this. I think the first one would be in terms of where we are as an entire ecosystem. Like I would say, you know, Big B blockchain, Big B Bitcoin like what we're all trying to accomplish, which is an inclusive technology that is open to everyone to send value over the internet, whatever you want to call it, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, whatever blockchain network we're talking about. We're all really, 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 really early. And we're all trying to solve incredibly different computational, computationally, I'm sorry, we're all trying to solve very difficult computational problems. And it's, it's hard to say, like, this is the right answer. And I've always been okay with the idea of the split between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash because they're two very different ways of solving the same problem. But to call one right, right, right at this moment seems really early. Why are you so confident that the direction Bitcoin Cash is going is the direction that sh it should be going? Um, I'm very confident about that for the same reason I was confident about Bitcoin to begin with. Uh, I have probably one of the most extensive backgrounds in studying economics of just about anybody in, involved in, in Bitcoin today. Um, and that's why I was so confident that people were going to start using Bitcoin as money back in, in February of 2011. And I'm not confident or I'm not sure that Bitcoin Cash is going to wind up being the blockchain that, you know, to, to, you know, the blockchain of all blockchains out there in the world. 
but I am sure that Bitcoin Cash is better money than Bitcoin Core at this point. So um, a lot of people in the crypto coin community love to, to mock Ripple and say it's not even a, a cryptocurrency, but like, I don't think people should underestimate that one either. Yeah, they can freeze your account at any time, uh, but people can, you can have your normal bank account frozen at any time, yet people are still busy using bank accounts all over the world. So uh, we're not just competing, you know, Bitcoin Core versus Bitcoin Cash or even, you know, cryptocurrencies versus Ripple. It's everything against absolutely everything out there. And so the absolute best form of money is going to be the one that lines up uh, being useful for, for the world and being used by the world. And, and right now, I think Bitcoin Cash is in a in the pole position, uh, to be honest, in regards to that. So it has a, of the ones that are useful as money, it has the biggest merchant adoption. It has the biggest user base. It has the most utility. And when something's useful, people are going to use it. And unfortunately, Bitcoin Core has basically the, committed suicide when it comes to its first mover advantage. And I'm not attacking Bitcoin Core by saying that. I'm just stating the objective reality that Bitcoin Core is less useful as money than Bitcoin Cash. And lots of people will always say, oh, well, Lightning Network this and Lightning Network that. Lightning Network doesn't exist today. For the entire world to use, there's only around 17 Bitcoin tied up in the Lightning Network. So that's around $150,000 for the entire world to use on the Lightning Network. That's not even remotely enough. And uh, there's, what, maybe three web shops that accept it that's, uh, you know, compared to 100,000 plus sites that accept Bitcoin Cash for payment. So I don't even see it as even remotely in the same ballpark. And that's not to say that I, I hate Lightning Network. I, I hope it works, but it's, it's not here yet. Just like, uh, you know, I hope all sorts of other future technologies work in the future. But if they're not here yet, we, we can't use them yet. And the fact of the matter yeah. is, is that Lightning Network's not ready today. That's a little bit of a misnomer on Lightning Network, though. It's it's specifically supposed to be for payments, um, fast payments. And when you look at the average credit card transaction being about $44 globally, if you have $150,000 capacity on the Lightning Network, then that's a lot of room for $44 transactions to go through. I mean, I did three transactions a day, probably an average of 15 bucks. On the Lightning Network, I mean, you did three transactions today? I didn't do that on Lightning Network. Wait, 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 wait. Lightning wait. Network Why not? The card. This isn't this isn't a matter of of. Like, there, there's the Uber Eats one second, guys. Sorry. Okay. We'll just Uber Eats is at <laughs> Uber the Eats is here. I don't We're gonna sing you guys <laughs> some elevator music to keep you soothed. Um, what's good? That at? was that was downstairs. He's gonna be at the actual door in a moment. So. Okay. We were gonna sing "Girl from Ipanema" for our listeners, just. You know, as you were getting the, the food. But anyways, Corey, what were you gonna say? I just I just think that like it's in a hard I don't know, like it calling anything ready or like the thing nowadays seems just way too arrogant today for me. It to it, because the technology is so hard and what we think this thing will become is so far away in terms of massive adoption and people actually it changing real people's lives. Yeah. People can, you know, accept Bitcoin across the country. It may change their lives, but there's really no real good on-ramp and off-ramp that's going to support the world right now in terms of blockchain infrastructure. So in my personal opinion, it's going to be a couple layers before we actually get to the point where we're making massive change in people's lives of a technology of inclusion. So what that technology looks like it's hard to say. So because Lightning Network doesn't work right now, doesn't mean that Bitcoin Core as a sediment layer is terrible or that Lightning Network has failed. 
same thing as like maybe the plasma technology for Ethereum and Ethereum scaling is terrible because it doesn't work right now. These types of things are going to take a long time because we're solving really difficult problems. And because they don't work right now, it doesn't mean that the thing that may work a little better right now is the right solution for the future. So if I can add to that, that on-chain Bitcoin transactions were working and working incredibly well and doing, you know, billions of dollars worth of commerce per day and the Bitcoin core team intentionally undermined the usefulness of those on-chain transactions and forced people to start using altcoins because it was an easier jump to move away from Bitcoin core into altcoins than it was for people to build the lightning network on top of Bitcoin core. And that's exactly what we've seen happen rather than people switch from Bitcoin core to lightning network on top of Bitcoin core. They switched from Bitcoin core to, to altcoins. And uh, I think that trend is going to continue. I think you're right. I mean, don't be wrong. The core block size of one megabyte is probably too small. And the fact that we didn't jump a little bit to kick the can down the road to allow for better scaling solutions was a was a poor decision in my opinion. But I don't feel that just continually increasing the block size for Bitcoin is the right solution for massive scaling that guy sorry yep doom 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 we should we should ask really 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 long questions so he has a chance to eat yeah okay i'm back do you want to you don't need to ask really really long questions do you want to do you want to eat today don't want to be sponsored by by Uber Eats. <laughs> Roger, do you want to eat? I mean, we can give you a little time to eat. We don't want to like... Nope. Uh, usually the place I ordered from takes forever to deliver, but today they like 45 minutes faster than I was expecting. So I'm, I'm just fine. All right. Um, yeah, I wanted to piggyback on what Corey was saying. Like the, I'll agree with you. I'll agree with Corey and I'll agree with Roger that the very idea of limiting the block size of the Bitcoin network purposely, and I know that's a strong word, purposely delay the adoption of faster economic growth. My thing is, is like, why would it be in anyone's best interest to delay the worldwide adoption of cryptocurrency? We don't have to put on our, our tinfoil hats here, but I was just under the assumption that no matter what team you played for, that was the end goal for everyone. And maybe it was ignorance. I, I don't know. What's your take on that? I don't think that it is the end goal for everyone. It, it certainly was the end goal for everybody that got involved in, in Bitcoin when I first did. But now if you talk to people like, uh, you know, a bunch of these Blockstream and Bitcoin core supporters, they openly say that it's stupid to use Bitcoin to buy for things, buy things and that people should just hold it. And uh, I was talking with one venture capital guy recently who was in a meeting with Elizabeth Stark, the CEO of Lightning Labs. And uh, he asked her, so when are people going to be able to use Lightning Network to buy, to buy things like coffee? And she said, stupid why would you want to even do that um whereas for me that the entire goal from day one was to get people to use bitcoin or cryptocurrencies in general as money for the entire world so we can strip away the power from these central banks to control the money supply and control what people can and can't do with their own money and that's still my goal today seven years later but i, I think a lot of the people that are involved in bitcoin today or cryptocurrency today they just see it as a way to you know hold a bro and buy a lambo um, and for me, that, that's not exciting. I, I had a Lamborghini before Bitcoin had even been uh, invented, and I wow. sold my Lamborghini to buy more Bitcoin, um, whereas all these other people are going the other direction. So 
<laughs> that's an interesting. My head is at. That's an uh, interesting, like uh, I guess, motivator because, it, it, like, from an from an onlooker, why should we believe you and not feel that what you're doing is in terms of profit for yourself? Because what you've done has been very, very, very profitable for you, and in today's society it's really hard to figure out the difference between someone who's saying something to profit for themselves and somebody who's saying something to, and actually meaning it. Why should we believe you? Um, I'll, I made a whole bunch of money when Bitcoin became popular. Uh, I'll make more money if, if Bitcoin cash becomes even more popular, but uh, that's not what's making me sad. I'm, I'm living in the exact same house that I was living in uh, before Bitcoin had even been invented. Uh, what are you going to do with the extra money? I and mean, I've already given away quite a bit of it and I'm, I'm looking for things to, to give, you know, more money away. I gave a, a thousand bitcoins to the foundation for economic education. Uh, at the time I made that donation, it was worth around 1.2, $1.3 million. Uh, I've given hundreds of thousands of dollars to freeloss.org because I think the drug war is, is horrible. Um, I'm donating money to all sorts of uh, projects that help improve the amount of uh, individual freedom that people and humans around the world have. And uh, that, that's my motivation is to give each individual more control over their own life. And uh, if I earn money, then I'm able to even do that even more effectively. But uh, at the end of the day, whether or not I make money from Bitcoin Cash, again, doesn't affect the reality that Bitcoin Cash is more useful as money than Bitcoin Core today. And if Bitcoin Cash is more useful as money than Bitcoin Core, no matter what names you, you call these two cryptocurrencies, more people are going to start using the useful one and less people are going to you know, be using the, the less useful one. And that's just the, the fact of the matter. And, you know, don't shoot the messenger. That, that's just objective reality. I think that's an important distinction. Oh. It's something that I, 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 I try and figure out constantly as I try and vet the different projects of this space, or at least the people who are saying things in this space. And that's what is the motivation behind the messenger? And I'm curious as to what gets you up in the day. Why do you give so much care towards bitcoin cash and versus like i guess the movement away from bitcoin core to bitcoin cash what what is the like sheer motivation behind all the things that you're doing and the amount of effort you're putting into the project that is bitcoin cash and not necessarily all of the other things which may be also along the ideology in which you you speak of but bitcoin cash is the carrier in which you care so I, I get up motivated every single day um, for, to promote Bitcoin Cash for the exact same reasons and with the exact same enthusiasm that I promoted Bitcoin Core or B Bitcoin before it split back in 2011, 2012, on and on into today. Um, from a strictly looking at the protocol level, probably some coins like Zcash or, or Dash or Zcoin or, or some of these other privacy coins or, or Monero, I like a lot of things about Monero, but I also think some of the things are a bit mistaken there. But uh, anyhow, I think a lot of these privacy coins could probably potentially be even better money in the short term than Bitcoin Cash. But if I go out on the street here in Tokyo and ask somebody, hey, hey have you heard of Zcash? Have you heard of Zcoin? Have you heard of Monero or Dash or take your pick of any of the, the you know, privacy coins? Almost for sure they're going to say no. If I go out there in the street, or if I'd asked the Uber Eats guy that just delivered some food, I said, hey, have you, hey buddy, have you heard of Bitcoin? I should say, sure, I've heard of Bitcoin. If I asked, have you heard of Zcoin? No, what, what is that? And so that's part of this 
thing that makes Bitcoin Cash better money for the world is that it already has acceptance because it has Bitcoin right there in the name. Everybody's heard of Bitcoin at this point. It's been around for years and years and years. If I tell somebody, hey, I know you've never used cryptocurrency before, but let me pay you in Bitcoin for the 20 bucks I used from, from dinner last night. They'll probably say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give that a try. I've heard of Bitcoin. It's been around in the news. If I tell them, hey, let me pay you 20 bucks worth of uh, you know, Monero. As much as I love Monero, he's going to say, mo, mo, mo what? No, no, I want real money. And so that's just the, the fact of the matter is the branding is incredibly important and the public, uh, the public spirit, I guess, in, in regards to a particular cryptocurrency. And, and Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Core both have that Bitcoin name in it and the public adoption and acceptance and public awareness. And uh, of those two with the name Bitcoin in there that, that have this public awareness, Bitcoin Cash works incredibly well as money. Bitcoin Core doesn't. And that's why I'm so bullish that Bitcoin Cash is the one that's most likely to get the most adoption and, and the most people around the world using it as cash. And if people start using it as cash around the world, that undermines government's ability to control people's financial lives. And that brings more economic freedom to the world, which raises everybody's standard of living across the world, uh, rich and poor alike. And so that's why I'm, I'm motivated to get up every day and, and promote Bitcoin Cash. And if I thought that some other coin had a better chance of bringing more economic freedom to the world than Bitcoin Cash, I would be right there, you know, promoting that as, as hard as I possibly could. I'm glad you mentioned Brandy. That's a great place to go because it seems to me like Bitcoin Cash has a great brand as cash. And if it works great as cash, then so be it. And Bitcoin um, has a different brand, a different route that it's taking. Um, and I, I can never be accused of being an inside of the box thinker, but why can't these things both exist? Uh, I mean, I remember just following me on a story one day, I'm overhauling an engine with my pops and we put a ratchet and socket on this specific mechanism. And then we had to turn the ratchet with a wrench. We had to use two different tools to get one job done. So, so why can't these things coexist? And why does it have to be, there have to be so much vitriol between the two camps? Um, I think the reason there's so much vitriol between the two camps is because of the, the censorship that went on within the Bitcoin community where one side wasn't allowed to have their, their voice be heard. Um, and that's what really made the community turn, you know, into having a bunch of anger. Whereas before it was just lots of, you know, lots of, lots of, you know, vigorous debate. But there wasn't this, you know, seething underlying hatred and anger between both sides until the censorship started. So I think it was the, the censorship that was enacted by a bunch of the Bitcoin core supporters, mainly Famos. Um, and then it, it got a lot of the other big Bitcoin core people just turned a blind eye to it and didn't speak out against it. I think that's when things really turned nasty. But in regards to these two different things, one being used as cash and one being used as just a store of value, if, if you look at it, those two things aren't separable. It's the fact that you can use the dollar as cash anywhere that makes people feel comfortable using it as a store of value. You can't name a single thing that people use as a store of value that doesn't have some other secondary use case. Um, and so you have to have that secondary use case in order for something to be usable as a store of value. And if it doesn't have that secondary use case, it won't be used as a store of value. So as somebody who's previously storing the vast majority of my wealth in Bitcoin, and I watched them... I watch the Bitcoin core people, not because they're bad people. It's just because they don't understand the underlying economics. As I watch them intentionally destroy the secondary use case for Bitcoin that allowed Bitcoin to be useful as a store of value, 
I realized I had to move my store value out of out of that and into something else. And I moved it in, into Bitcoin Cash because I see Bitcoin Cash as secondary use case outside of being a store of value as being used as cash. And that's going to enable its usefulness as a store of value to to really bloom. And and we're seeing that, you know, month after month and, and you know, week after week and day after day, Bitcoin Cash is being more and more people are using it as a store of value than than Bitcoin Core. And it'll only take maybe another year and a year and a half at the current pace of of of, of increase of bulk where Bitcoin Cash is going to surpass Bitcoin Core in terms of the a total amount of value being stored with it. And uh, it might not be a smooth progression. It might be one big giant jerk uh, where where all of a sudden before we know it, you know, you go to bed one night and you wake up the next morning and and Bitcoin Cash has more people storing their value in it than than Bitcoin Core. And uh, I don't think we should underestimate the fact that Bitcoin Cash has full support from Blockchain.info in all their mobile apps and their their web app. Uh, same for Coinbase, same for for BitPay, uh, Bitcoin.com, of course. Like it, it's having adoption around the world, whereas Bitcoin Core is having you know reverse adoption, where businesses that used to accept it are stopping to accept it. And uh, if I were still storing a, a bunch of my value in Bitcoin Core, that would make me really, really, really worried. Um, I mean, they, and, you know, don't we shoot were, the messenger though. That's just the objective reality. We were. I would like to point out that this podcast tried to get the hashtag Thamos's bitch made a thing for quite yeah. a while. Like we it, did it, there's, there's no, you guys. There's, there's no <laughs> secret that r slash Bitcoin is a shithole, but that doesn't mean that Bitcoin is as well. And, and, and to point the, the finger at a single subreddit of Reddit and call all of the community bad, or at least censorship like censored is, is hard to say, but in, 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 in the same term, you have Bitcoin.com, which is 100% BTC or, or Bitcoin Cash. And so people who log in or like nascently come into the space looking for Bitcoin are getting a narrative that is Bitcoin Cash. Do you feel like there's a kind of problem there? So I think if you go to Bitcoin.com, you get the you get the full story and we explain exactly what happened. And we have a forum there where anybody can post why they think it's wrong. I just recently made a video uh, explaining why I think Bitcoin Cash has more Bitcoinness, if that's a word, mm-hmm. more Bitcoinness than Bitcoin Core at this point. And I listed maybe eight different characteristics and, and you know how important I think they are. And Bitcoin Cash has more of those characteristics than Bitcoin Core at this point. But just strictly speaking, from an objective reality thing, I, I have a demonstration for you guys uh, to show how Bitcoin Cash is better money than Bitcoin Core. If any of you guys on the on the, the Skype here have a Bitcoin Cash wallet and a Bitcoin Core wallet, I'll send you guys some money right here over Skype, and we'll check and see what the fees are on both Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Core, and we'll see what the the time the time it is to take. So, if one of you guys are comfortable, pull up either a Bitcoin Cash or a Bitcoin Core wallet, and I'll send you some money, and uh, we'll see what the the fee is on Bitcoin Cash, and we'll see what the fee is on Bitcoin Core. And let me know which uh, which wallet you're about to do first. I got a bread wallet Four. here. Hold on, I think I got a Bitcoin Cash wallet. Let me find it. <laughs> I got so uh, many wallets. It's stupid. Yeah, At this point, yeah. I've, I've used so many. Alex, like part of what our our job is is to vet a lot of these different things, and so I have probably twenty apps on my phone, which is Bitcoin Cash. All right, here we go. Bitcoin Cash on the screen. Okay. If we can do that, is that something we can do? Yep. So here, uh, let's see. Maybe maybe hold it still, and I think we'll get it. A little bit out of focus. Maybe move it back a tiny bit. Or... The future. No, what wallet is that, Corey? That's bread wallet. Bread. Right? 
Red Wallet. Red Wallet. What do you use, Exodus? Is that, is that uh, available? I got Jack still for multi -curve. It's having a hard time scanning that because you're only a fourth of the screen, too, maybe. Is the, maybe we can. I think if you double-click his box, it makes it him the big screen. Hashtag I technology. There, I, I did that the first time, and it didn't work. But the second didn't time work? It worked. Oh, okay. maybe, no, it, it worked now. Move, move it back a tiny bit from the screen, maybe, and we'll, we'll give it a try. Try, oh, really I'm trying not to move. So cool. Yeah, so um, it's a little bit hard to scan via Skype at the moment for whatever blurry reason there. We have um, too many people on but, the call. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I can tell you guys exactly what the result would have, would have been there. Yeah, of course. Um, the the fee would be about a sixth of a cent to send that, and uh, the transaction would be instant. On Bitcoin Core, the fee it would be, depending on the day of the week, maybe 30 cents, maybe $3. Last December, it would have been $50. And if you're running any sort of a business that accepts lots of payments from customers, when you go to move the money out, it's common to pay more than $1,000 in fees because you have a bunch of inputs from your your various customers. So you have two different forms of Bitcoin there. One that's, uh, one that's, sorry, I'm getting distracted with moving the screens back. Anyhow, one, uh, <laughs> one that's fast, cheap, and reliable, and the other that's slow, expensive, and unreliable. The objective reality there is that more people are going to use the one that's fast, cheap, and reliable than the ones that, that aren't. So. What about, um, so obviously there's, you know, two different schools of thoughts. But since the end game is the same, like, what was, sorry, what's your opinion on, I know there was supposed to be a fork to have SegWit and an increase in the block size, and that just kind of fell through. That's not, that's not for Bitcoin Cash. I mean, the, the, the whole idea of seg segregated witness for Bitcoin Core was to fix transaction malleability. And yeah. there, was an, there was a push to kind of push maybe a form of lightning on Bitcoin Cash. And what's interesting about that is that Bitcoin Cash doesn't necessarily need segregated witness to fix transaction malleability. They can do it in other ways, which then allows them to get lightning if they so choose to. Why is Bitcoin Cash so much against segregated witness? And would Lightning Network ever be a possibility for Bitcoin Cash? Yeah, so if and when Lightning Network is made to even work, which it doesn't today, it's not even usable in commerce, um, it'll work better, faster, and cheaper, and more reliably on top of the Bitcoin Cash than it will on top of Bitcoin Core. And, and to back up a moment on the whole SegWit2x thing, Bitcoin Cash wouldn't have been anything. It wouldn't have gotten any traction at all had there not been a bait and switch in regards to the SegWit2x thing. Um, when the SegWit2x agreement was, was put together, for whatever reason, everybody agreed, okay, SegWit comes first and the 2X comes later, and then SegWit happened. And up to that point, SegWit had never really gotten more than maybe 35% of the miners around the world signaling for it, whereas Bitcoin Core, I'm sorry, yeah, Bitcoin, Big Block Bitcoin, Bitcoin Unlimited, had more than 50% uh, of the miners signaling for it at one point. Um, and it wasn't until the, they agreed to do both the block size increase and SegWit that SegWit got enough hash rate behind it to actually activate it. And then as soon as it activated, all these SegWit supporters basically did a bait and switch and said, nah, 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 we got what we want, and now we're not <laughs> going to give you what, what, what you want. And uh, I told them you know, openly beforehand, I said, if you guys back out of the 2X part of SegWit2X, I'm going to devote all of my effort to promoting Bitcoin Cash. And uh, they, they managed to, to scuttle the 2X part of SegWit2X, and I'm holding true to my word, doing everything I can 
you know, Bitcoin Cash because Bitcoin Cash is far, far better money for the world and has better chance of liberating more people around the world and improving the standard of living of more people around the world than Bitcoin Core does, especially when many of the Bitcoin Core people are hostile to using Bitcoin as money. Um, people in, in third world countries, they don't need a new store of value. They need something that they can use as money. And uh, part of the fact that you can use it as money then becomes, then makes it useful as a store of value as well. So you get both of those things at the same time. I wanted to ask you, um, uh, first and foremost, you don't have to answer this, but I figured I wanted to give you the platform to address it to if you needed it to. But there was a whole thing about the community movement with you know 600 people saying that Bitcoin.com was misleading people to kind of gain majority support for Bitcoin Cash instead of Bitcoin. Um, I imagine like you're a person that kind of sits on top of the mountain. This kind of stuff just probably comes at you on a daily basis. I mean, how do you navigate stuff like this? I imagine it to be exhausting, especially when you're trying to do good and you're trying to promote um, the, the the proper, you know, vision of Satoshi. You know, how how do you deal with this kind of stuff? Yeah, I was kind of amazed as to how much traction that got. So at Bitcoin.com now we have uh, almost a hundred people on the payroll, and I it's impossible for anybody to micromanage a hundred people. And so different people are assigned to different parts of the website and different things. So one person assigned to the website somewhere, either intentionally or on accident, just had in the block explorer portion, Bitcoin Cash labeled as Bitcoin parentheses BCH. Um, whereas in pretty much everywhere else in the entire website, they're both labeled as Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Cash to make it very clear to everybody what the difference is. Um, that portion of the website has since been uh, upgraded to say Bitcoin Cash BCH not because of any threat of uh, any lawsuit. Like the, the whole lawsuit threat was absolutely ridiculous. Nobody's being misled. Uh, there's, there's no victim there. There's, the whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous. And uh, I think the fact that a bunch of people are even considering the idea of using a lawsuit for something like that shows that they kind of missed the whole point of, of Bitcoin is that it allows permissionless innovation for people to do what they want. And if you want to build a block explorer that says something, I, I don't think that's a reason to get lawyers involved. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I agree. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe one day if Bitcoin Cash gets even more traction, we'll switch the entire website over to calling Bitcoin Cash just Bitcoin parentheses BCH, and then we'll call uh, Bitcoin Core everywhere else on the website Bitcoin Core parentheses BTC. I may, maybe that'll come someday. Um, but threatening to sue me over it doesn't make me. Uh, it doesn't make me scared, and it doesn't make me like those people anymore. Um, from day one, I've been someone who hasn't been afraid to, to say what I really think. Uh, just like back in 2011, when people were, all over the world were saying Bitcoin's stupid, it's a Ponzi scheme, it's a bubble, it's going to pop. I was willing to sta uh, stand up and, and go against the herd and say, no, Bitcoin's amazing. This is going to change the world. And now I'm doing the same thing again with Bitcoin Cash. People are saying Bitcoin Cash is a, a scam or it's China coin or this and that. Well, um, <laughs> that doesn't change the objective reality that Bitcoin Cash is the cryptocurrency with the most uh, and the highest prospect for changing the entire world for the better and bringing more economic freedom to the entire world. And that's fine promoting Bitcoin cash today. So I have a kind of idea in which why, like you, you choose to promote Bitcoin cash because it stays more true to Satoshi's vision in terms of the so white paper. So I can paper. interject one thing. So, and I, I don't support Bitcoin cash because it, it's in line with the white paper. Okay. I support it because what was written in the white paper is the best form of money that we have available with all these things taken into consideration. So it's very, very, if the white paper was wrong, I, I wouldn't support Bitcoin cash following the right white paper. 
but what was described by Satoshi in the original Bitcoin, we have you know seven or eight years of empirical evidence showing that it, that system worked incredibly well to get adoption around the world and get people using it around the world. So I don't support Bitcoin Cash because it's in line with the white paper. I support it because it's useful as money. And it just so happens that the Bitcoin described in the white paper is useful as money. So right. it's not because it's Satoshi's vision. It's because it's actually useful that I, I support it. I can understand that. But in terms of the technological aspect of these networks, it's not sustainable in terms of tech, in terms of growth. And so his vision didn't can, take can into back that statement up. Yeah. You, you can't have a worldwide network use a single blockchain. Like that type of consensus isn't going to be enough to, to support the scale. We can't have that many transactions per second being done we can. on a network that large. And I, I think that's the big, the big difference. And we can't today, but computers are getting bigger and bigger and faster and faster uh, every, every single, uh, you know, every single day we're, or every we're single reaching block. a limit there in terms of Moore's law. It, it, and this is coming from my background as a computational scientist. We, it, the parallel computing is becoming more and more difficult. We've reached a limit in which how, how small we can make transistors. It becomes more and more difficult to make computers faster and faster and faster. And doing a blockchain is inherently serial. You have to do things sequentially. So there's going to be a problem in terms of increasing the amount of sequential workload we can put in the way we do consensus. And I don't feel, in terms of my personal scientific background, that we can scale blockchains at the base layer in which Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin wants to do it. You have to make layers on top of layers, and very much the way the way the internet works. And I, I, I just don't feel like it's the right way to scale. And so, calling something like working right bubble. now, it's it. Don't get me wrong. Global consensus is fantastic. It's the it's it's literally the only way we've ever come to the right or the same conclusion as a Byzantine network in history. It is an innovation and in, 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 in innovation in time. But we can't have the entire world use it at the base layer, in my personal opinion. You've got to have layers. I mean, global consensus is an impossibility. And if you think it's possible, I mean, China did has it. a different new no, year. We're than literally we do. doing it. That's the thing. We are literally doing it right now between the Bitcoin. So if I can go ahead. Add a little bit to that. So if, if you believe that you cannot do something and you never try, you're guaranteed to be right that, that something uh, that you can't do that thing. Um, but this isn't Michael to, Jordan. To we can't say those types of Henry things. Henry Ford. <laughs> I, I, I know. I think the try is worthwhile, and I want to push those limits as much as we can in terms of like how far can we push global consensus in the way of proof of work works right now in terms of maybe increasing how the block size. One, how but, close is one megabyte to pushing that limit? Oh, it's, no. One megabyte is a terrible idea. We need to we need to make that larger. I'm I'm not arguing against that at all. But yeah, I'm not increasing the block size is not the final answer. Period. Okay. Would you would you agree or disagree with that? Um, I would disagree with that, but I'm just fine with people that say that that's not the only solution. Like I'm just fine with layer two things and and protocols that sit on top of of layer one. But what has been so frustrating for me is that layer one has been strangled. And the layer two solutions aren't available yet. Um, and thanks to Moore's law, I do think it's going to continue for decades and decades into the future. Um, just increasing the block size is a long-term solution. Uh, I remember when one megabyte was a, a large amount of memory. My first digital camera 
used one of those 1.44 megabyte floppy drives right there on the side. It was like an $800 Sony camera, and you could fit, I don't know, 30, 30 photos or something on it, and, and each, each photo was, what, like 35 kilobytes or something like that, whereas now one single photo on my iPhone is like 8 megabytes or something like that. Um, I, I understand that the block size is a long-term solution. I understand that that worked in the past, but what's interesting about the way technology is moving right now is that we are reaching physical limits and how close you can fit transistors together. You literally can't put transistors close enough without having quantum effects. So we can't increase the speed of computers without doing parallel computing. And the way proof of work consensus works and these blockchains work is sequential. So parallel computing can't work. And so the way we end up scaling computers is by doing parallel computing. And if those two things don't work together, then there has to be some type of trade-off. And as you said yourself previously, we're nowhere even remotely close to reaching these scaling limits for on-chain. And it'll be you know years or decades before we even come close to reaching those scaling limits on-chain, which means we have years or decades to, to figure out solutions to how to increase the amount of capacity on-chain. Uh, even more. And look at look, today is 2018. Look at how much better computers are than 2008, just 10 years ago. Uh, it's probably going to be at least you know 10 years before we come anywhere even remotely close to filling up what's possible right now today with the tr transactions on chain. How much better are computers going to be in 10 years from now? Uh, they're going to get better and better and faster and faster and cheaper and cheaper year after year. So thanks to Moore's law, I, I do think on-chain scaling is a long-term solution, which doesn't preclude layer two scaling solutions at all. I'm just fine with all sorts of layer two stuff, but uh, the, the the fact that layer two solutions exist is absolutely no justification whatsoever for for limiting the amount of layer one transactions that people are able to make. What about things that aren't money? So, like right now, basically, we've limited Bitcoin. I would say Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash are limited to money-like transactions, giving people a decentralized, democratized money. That's At least that's the idea of what they're trying to do. But if you increase the capacity of these networks, you're basically saying, all right, we've enabled new use cases for people to use the blockchain because there are non-financial use cases for the blockchain. They don't use it because it's too expensive, more or less. What if, if we keep enabling the capacity of these things, then anyone who's able to use new use cases will use them. Just like as we increase the capacity of the internet, people started using new and new and new things. You couldn't do VR when AOL came out, but as we increase the ability of the internet to work and stream information, virtual reality became a thing. And as we increase the capacity of these blockchain networks, people will try and do more and more and more load heavy things. How does a base layer Bitcoin Cash work in that scenario, or does it? I I think it's if if we run into that you know quote unquote problem, I I think that that's a good thing. The problem of so many people trying to use it, that that's great. And at the end of the day, I think it's the miners that decide what sort of transactions they want to include in the blocks, and then uh, they decide you know what what price they're going to charge for that space in the block. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a much much better way of determining what goes into the blocks are, are the people that actually produce them and the people that are getting paid to produce them, and the people that are paying to have their stuff included in the blocks rather than have some you know economic central planning committee decide okay this is allowed and this isn't because we said so. So you can either have the market decide, which is the way of you know on chain scaling. Or you can have some, you know, high priests decide, which is the way of economic central planning, which is 
a way of limiting the the, the block size. But I, I think uh, the market should decide, not not a couple of uh, Bitcoin wizards. I got one more so, question for you. One more. This is way off topic. So you used to train jujitsu for a long time. Yeah, You're a purple belt, if I'm not mistaken. Do you get any time to actually continue a, to do that? I've been a brown belt for, for oh, brown belt. a while now too. So, Sorry, yeah. last time I saw you, you were a purple belt. Sorry, that's okay. No, it, it it happened. So I was a purple for like five or six years, and I've been a brown for maybe a year and a half, two years now. But unfortunately, I tore my ACL recently, and I'm actually looking for a for a doctor to do the ACL surgery now. And then as soon as my knee is better, uh, you better believe I'm going to be back on the mat. So. Yeah. I've been doing it for, I don't know, five years or so. And I saw a lot of that. And it's just something that I, 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 I understand the mentality of, of doing something like that. And I appreciate that. Like it's, I've always wanted to be like, if I ever saw Roger Ver, I think I'd like to like roll with him for a while and see how that goes. <laughs> I would, I would love to, as soon as my knee is better, I would love to have the chance. And you'd be surprised how many Bitcoin guys there are in, in jujitsu. So if, uh, if there's any other jujitsu guys listening here, so I set up a, I set up Andre Galval with his uh, with a Bitcoin wallet a few years ago at Mundial, and I set up Kyotera with a Bitcoin his first serious? Bitcoin wallet and paid Kyotera, <laughs> yeah, I paid Kyotera in Bitcoin to train at his gym. I was training there uh, in advance of Mundials a few years back, and I uh, set him up with a Bitcoin. Hopefully, he still has it because this was probably twenty. He's doing all right if he still has that. Something. Yeah, so uh, hopefully he still does. But yeah, I've set up quite a few uh, Bitcoin guys. Uh, I'm sorry, Jiu-Jitsu guys with Bitcoin wallets as well and uh, competed uh, quite a few times wearing my Bitcoin gi and uh, look forward, forward to doing that again as soon as my knee is uh, healed up. Oh, I hope you're training I'd with you I'd pay to watch you guys rule. I'd pay to watch that. Yeah, and Bitcoin.com is, we're actually sponsoring to have little uh, jujitsu competitions up at TriStar Gym in Canada, which is where George St. Pierre trains. And you can go on YouTube and uh, we pay $100 in Bitcoin cash to the winner of the jujitsu matches. And, they have a match or two a week uh, with the people that come in there and compete in that. So if you're into Bitcoin and Jiu-Jitsu, you'll, you'll love watching the, the Bitcoin-sponsored uh, Jiu-Jitsu matches with TriStar Gym. And TriStar Gym is super legit in terms of yeah. like, at least the, the fighting space. Roger, yeah, and if I need, keep once my knee is better, I want to go compete there myself and see how it goes. So. Uh, keep us in mind, Roger, if there's ever any uh, uh, ways that we can help with your initiatives or sponsorships because we, you know, we, we like to get involved in the community as well. Okay, fantastic. Uh, if you guys are looking for a sponsor of the podcast, maybe we can have a Bitcoin.com Games sponsor your podcast if you guys are, are cool with that. So. I like sponsors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody likes money. Um, we only pay in Bitcoin cash, just just be forewarned. Right. <laughs> or you got the Bitcoin cash. Doesn't right? bother me. No, um, I guess we'll take we'll draw back to. To, to Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin Cash is that what it seems like is that whatever technology is trying to win this race is just trying to throttle centralization because I don't I think there was this huge push when everyone was like really vibing on yeah let's decentralize all the things decentralized monitors decentralized remote controls like they were just going a little bit overboard and it seems like to me is everybody's just trying to throttle centralization because if we increase the block size, things are going to centralize. Even right now, things have centralized with Bitcoin. You increase the block size, they're going to centralize even more. And I get in, not arguments, but just like debates with people on Twitter frequently. When they're like, well, if you just buy like $2,000 worth of equipment, you can run your own Bitcoin cash node. And I'm just like, yeah, before, the thing about that is I'm not doing that. Before Roger so, answers this one, I want to say that who gives a shit? Like, I don't know. I feel like they're they're – 
everyone doesn't need to run a mining node. And, and that wasn't Satoshi's original vision. And so if you're going to follow that ideology, you're wrong. And so it, who cares if there is a smaller distribution of people in the entire network mining? As long as they are evenly distributed in terms of trust and trustlessness, it's fine. And so the whole idea is balancing incentives on who is mining, not equally dispersing all mining across the entire network. And so I, I feel like that that argument is is kind of dumb. I don't, I don't know, Roger. You can you can answer it from there. Yeah, I, I think you 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 said this. My you made my point for me. Like the decentralization isn't the goal. You just need to have enough decentralization to provide the censorship resistance. And a lot of people seem to be confused and think that the decentralization is a goal in and of itself, rather than just a tool used to achieve the uh, censorship resistance with with the money. So, yeah, so, so if we're not throttling that uh, censorship resistance, like if things can centralize faster, how fast does it get to a point to where it's like, holy shit, now miners are the gods. When did this happen? I think the miners have always been the gods. Like it's only a mining node that ever is going to include your transaction in a block. Uh, and if you read the white paper, it's defined very clearly the only full nodes are ones that are mining. And anything else that with a full copy of the blockchain is just kind of a fancy wallet. Not, not well, this is this is this goes back to a problem that I've had in terms of like Satoshi wasn't God. He he didn't have everything right. He in fact wasn't a very good programmer, and so he like I feel like we've moved quite a bit further than his original vision. And so putting him up on a pedestal and saying that if it's not in the white paper, it's wrong is the wrong concept. And like he, for instance, he didn't even understand the concept of mining pools when he started. In his in his original vision, one CPU was one vote, and that's certainly not the case these days, especially with ASICs. And so we really can't base all of our decisions on the white paper or what he originally thought before he left. And we've come a long way in terms of how we've made these networks and the types of technology we've built on top of them to then come to consensus, do mining pools adapting to ASICs and what consensus is like in, in that type of environment. So like who gives a shit what Satoshi says? We've come a long way since then. Yeah, I, I agree. Satoshi's not God. Although I do think we can still look to, at the white paper for the definitions of what the words mean. Um, and so by, by those definitions, I think you could kind of argue that the mining pool itself is the full node and however many mining pools there are, that's how many full nodes there are uh, in the world, which is an interesting way of, of looking at it, okay. uh, I think, as well. But how do we... So then we don't need... We just need evenly distributed gods. How do we, how do we change <laughs> the nomenclature, right? How do, how do we change the wording that we use? Because We're going full circle. Greek mythology, let's bring that shit back. Yeah, we, we need to change the way we talk about these things because the original words don't work anymore. And if we want to make this work for the future, then we need to change the, how we talk about them. It's like, that's a good concept. The mining pools are the nodes because that's basically what controls the decentralization aspect of mining. So we should probably change the narrative around that, but that's certainly not happening. How do we push that? Yeah, I wish I had an answer for you, but uh, the definitions of words are very important. And if we don't all agree <laughs> on the same definitions of words, it makes it really hard to have a, a conversation. So uh, yeah. 
let's all try to at least agree on the definitions of words, I guess, yeah. is all I can ask. That's very yeah. true. But even that's hard to get consensus around. Words mean different things in different countries. So, they sure do. I mean, I don't know. It's still an experiment, obviously, even though I don't want it to be in my heart. But it still is. We're only 10 years in the game. Well, what sucks? Of, what sucks is that, uh, like, we started out in, like, I would say early days. Like, when we started this podcast, Roger, when you started really getting into this, you put a lot of your money into it. It made a massive change. And it was a technology of inclusion. And it allowed people in places that didn't have banking infrastructure to then change the way they live their lives. And then as these networks grow, as Bitcoin grew into something that basically got to the point where it couldn't handle the transactional volume that it got, transaction fees got really, really, really large and then threw those people out of the network because they could no longer afford to transact on it, right? And this is, in my opinion, basically why you moved over to Bitcoin Cash because you wanted to re-include those people and allow them to do things. And it is like, I feel like has the narrative changed against the all-inclusive technology because we're trying to find new ways of building on top of the base layer? Or like, like how has that narrative changed in your perspective as you started from the original Bitcoin to, to now? Because the only reason they got thrown out is because we didn't make a good enough technology to, uh, to allow for the load that happened when everyone found out that this is a really cool technology and they jumped in. If it would have been ready, it would have stayed cheap, but it wasn't. I think it was ready um, and it's still ready. Um, I, even right now today, the, the network could handle 100 megabyte blocks without any problem whatsoever. Um, and that's, How do you, you know, know that? 100 you can do the math. Right? Nobody's doing 100 megabyte blocks. Like nobody's even remotely trying to do 100 megabyte blocks and Math is great in theory. I studied the shit out of it. But and pragmatically, when shit starts hitting the fan, they, different things happen and different properties emerge. So we can't say that it could add no 100 megabyte transaction when nobody's doing 100 megabyte transactions on that main chain. Well, there's not 100 megabytes worth of transactions worth of demand. Um, but like, let's say, let's say the Bitcoin core and Bitcoin cash fork had never happened. And they had increased the block size to just, you know, two, four, eight megabytes as Adam Back originally was recommending of doing. And the maximum block size today were eight, was eight megabytes. I don't think the blocks would be eight megabytes. I don't think they'd be full. I think maybe the blocks today would be somewhere in the ballpark of maybe four megabytes per block on average. And we'd have more adoption and more people and the chain wouldn't have split and we'd have more businesses and, and there wouldn't, all these altcoins wouldn't have, you know, 70% of the overall market cap of cryptocurrencies. Um, and we'd have, you know, years and years more to figure out how to make these layer two technologies without strangling the adoption rate of Bitcoin. And, uh, I guess that's what happened in an alter, uh, alternative universe, but in the universe <laughs> we're, we're in today, uh, the split did happen. And now we have Bitcoin core and Bitcoin cash and Bitcoin cash provides a good user experience and is inclusive of people all around the world. And. Bitcoin Core has a, a bunch of people at the helm that, that mock the idea of, of poor people using it or using it to, to buy things like coffee. And whereas Bitcoin Cash community is like, Bitcoin Cash is for everybody. Please use it for, for coffee and everything else. I will agree with you on that one in terms yeah. of like, if that is an alternate universe, I can see 
being realistic had we changed the block size in the past. But that's certainly not the case nowadays. And there is no going back from here. And and when we started, like we're called the Bitcoin podcast because when we started, there was just Bitcoin. Or at least that's all that mattered when we started. Now, there are a plethora of blockchains you can choose from from whatever specialized use case you're trying to find or yeah. multiple attempts of doing the same type of thing. Do, do you still see a world of a single blockchain to kind of be the base layer for everything? Or do you see kind of an interplay between many blockchains being special purpose for, for certain use cases? I think there'll be lots of blockchains for lots of different things, but I think, you know, one, two or three of those blockchains will have the, the lion's share of the market. Mm -hmm. uh, 70, 80, 90%, yeah. I think will be spread across just a couple of, of major blockchains. Bitcoin definitely was in the pole position and had just had this, you know, light years head start over everybody else. Um, all of these cryptocurrency exchanges, they didn't used to be called cryptocurrency exchanges. They used to be called Bitcoin exchanges. Uh, Coinbase used to be a Bitcoin only company. Blockchain.info used to be a Bitcoin-only company. All of these businesses used to be Bitcoin-only. And it wasn't until the block size limit became very clear that it wasn't going to be re re removed mm -hmm. in time, that all these businesses that used to be Bitcoin businesses then became cryptocurrency businesses. And podcasts that used to be the Bitcoin podcast now probably talk about all sorts of things that aren't Bitcoin. Touche. <laughs> Here we are. I, I think we mentioned some of the other altcoins, at least on, on the podcast here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of different other blockchains. In fact, I spend the majority of my time doing development on Ethereum because I feel like they are open to development and they move very quickly in terms of pushing the space forward. So I, there's no maximalism of the Bitcoin podcast whatsoever. We only care about utility and the growth and adoption of, of, of this technology. It is a purely historical name. We love Bitcoin because that's what got us here. But we want people to use the technology. We want people to understand how it changes their lives. And whatever the name of that thing is, is what we'll talk about. And I, yeah, I think count that's me on board with that. That's, yeah. that's the same, the exact same view I have. So count me in too. Well, I guess we should wrap it up. Yeah, it's been an hour. We don't want to take any more of your time. I'm sure your Uber Eats suit has gotten cold. We apologize. That might be well. Luckily, it's just a sandwich, so it doesn't need to be hot or cold. So I'll be okay. All right. Um, in ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin Cash? Bitcoin Cash is money for the world. Short and sweet. Money for the world. Four words. Wait. So let's maybe let's that's... Let's, let's change that. I want to. I want to actually hear your perspective, in the other way, in ten words or less, can you describe blockchain? Oh, blockchain is the ledger for the world. Money for the world, the ledger for the world. Awesome. Okay. Um, thank you for Docs seeing this tech. For uh, all of our listeners, uh, Roger, thank you for stopping by. Yeah, um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys too. Hopefully, we'll see you at the next DevCon. Yeah, uh, there's a pretty good chance you'll see me there. <laughs> Hopefully, none of us will be kidnapped while, while we're there. It won't be in Mexico, thank God. It's not in Mexico? Thank goodness. Sorry, Mexico, <laughs> but I'm not going back anytime. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks. All right, Rob, we'll take care. And welcome back.
Hope you enjoyed the interview with Sir Roger Miss Veramis um, from the Bitcoin Cash Company. It's not a company. Uh, Bitcoin.com yeah. evangelist. Bitcoin.com. He's an evangelist. He, uh, you heard it. He just wants Bitcoin to be Bitcoin again. Um, if you have to say anything about him, I guess it's just he's really, really, really passionate. Yeah, he's really passionate, and I guess that's that's just that he's into jujitsu. So there's that. He's a likable guy. I mean, he's easy to talk to. Um, he's just passionate and thinks he's right, which is kind of dangerous. A lot of people think right. they're right. We'll see who's right later on down the line. That's basically the gist of it. It's like, you can think you're right all the time. It's more of a that matter feels, of like, what's yeah. going to end up happening and will prove who's right. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of sentiment manipulation and understanding because these networks are so reliant upon building a community around them, convincing people that what you're doing is the right thing and works better than everything else is an aspect of growing that community. But if the utility isn't there, which it, it works, Bitcoin cash works that you can send Bitcoin to people or Bitcoin cash to people and they can receive it. Okay. So like, I mean, it's really a matter of like how, how this whole space scales out and what ends up being like mm -hmm. the most useful for different types of things. Uh, yeah. Lightning network owns, is a uh, thing. He owns Bitcoin.com though. It's hell of a, hell of a domain. Yep. <laughs> and like, uh, it almost feels like something like Michael Caine would say. Michael Caine is Alfred though. Like talking to Bruce Wayne, he'd be like, uh, you know, the terrible thing about wall, Bruce, is that uh, both sides think they're right. <laughs> and then and then that's when Christian Bill goes, Alfred, shut the fuck up. I'm going to do this anyways. That's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much all Christian Bell did to Alfred in that entire series from, from Christopher Nolan was Alfred would say something extremely wise, like, some men just want to see their well burn, Mr. Wayne. He used to be like, I'm still going to fucking do this shit, Alfred, because I kind of have to. So basically shut the fuck up. My parents are dead. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, fuck. Uh, do you want to know <laughs> how to say Michael Caine in Michael Caine's voice? My cocaine? Yeah, just say my cocaine. Oh, my cocaine. My Michael Caine. So, Chella, do, you have, do, that, do your best, Michael Caine. Do that. That should be a new thing that we do. Do your best, Michael Caine. It won't top yours, man. You're, you're like, I'm starting to learn that, like, you're the man of a thousand impressions. Well, we used that to are do only that halfway a, good. That, that was a skit. No, who else remember? could do Cleveland Brown and Michael Caine? That's pretty good. What'd you say, Corey? You remember that was a skit we did? Was D impersonating a black man and talking about evangelizing Bitcoin? Yeah. D impersonating a black guy talking about Bitcoin. Uh, let me see if I could do Jamie Foxx. Um, you know, the other day I was on um, I was on Reddit. Everybody, you know Reddit, right? And um, I saw this thing. They were talking about Bitcoin. That's okay, Jamie Foxx. Not a very good Jamie Foxx. I don't think it do what it do, baby. Anybody yeah. who listened to the Roger Ray interview, are they, they still around for this? I hope so. Yeah, they're listening to this. <laughs> Everybody loves this shit. Um, you had something you wanted to you wanted to bring up that is pissing you off. I did. 
It's Ripple. grinding your gears. What 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 was it? I need to jog my memory. Ripple rap video. <sighs> I'm gonna go on the show. Big do I mention this now or do I wait until we get the guys on the show? I'd say we wait. Yeah, we need to wait. We need to make that all the way real moment. Sorry for but the I'm teaser. My, yeah, I'm having my qualms with Ripple. Hey, can I? Here, here's uh, some lyrics. I buy some Ripple, then I buy a Wraith. They take in Bitcoin in the strip club, little strips for the tips, spending Ripple on the whips. Now that's poetry. I mean, it's not the rapper's fault they're rapping about Ripple. That's who's paying them to rap about it. You know what the MSRP on a Wraith is? $320,000. I want to get Lil Dicky on here so bad to like have, Dickie's... A, have a legitimate conversation. Because he's smart. I mean, there's a lot of rappers that are smart, but Lil Dicky's smart as shit. And I think if we could get him to understand the concepts of what's currently going on, he could become the leader in talking about, in the, I guess, the, the cryptocurrency rapper community. Because, I mean, what other, there's been rappers who are participating in this space, but they're doing it mostly through being a talking head celebrity that some project pays them to be. Yeah, yeah. there's Little Dicky, but there's also Lil Windex. I don't even know what that Heard is. There's, there's, a, a, there's a lot of Lils that don't matter. There's a, a video I posted called Bitcoin Cash. I don't know, it's becoming kind of a, a fad right now. There's no legitimate. If there's a rapper out there right now struggling, listen to me, I'm talking to you and you're hearing this show and your name is Big Lil. I want to manage you. That's just outside of the box enough for him to be popular. Why would he want you as a manager? Give him, give him your elevator pitch. Okay. This is why you need me as a manager, Big Lil. I know the rap game, all right? I'm from the streets of suburbia where the rap game is prevalent. There's all kinds of people out there trying to be thug every single day, listening to rap up and down the streets very loudly, giving everyone secondhand rap. I was alive during the Tupac and Biggie, what what do we call that, a quarrel, a duel, if you will, the gentleman's bout. Misunderstanding. there's an extreme misunderstanding. Um, I have family members that look like Suge Knight, so we could protect you if it came down to that. Um, we would never make it rain at the strip club, unfortunately, Big Lil, because we'd be doing our business in crypto, um, which that aspect of it is not very sensational. Um, we could maybe talk some of the strippers into putting QR codes on their cheeks. That would be fun for a night. Legends Room does but that. I can't, yeah, Legends Room does that, but I can't promise you making it rain will be something that'll be reality. Um, the only thing that I'm, the only reason Big Lil, while I wanna, why I want to manage you is because like in the 90s, everyone's name was Big, and now everyone's name is Lil, and it's just so cyclical, you need to just meet it right in the middle and be Big Lil. Is there going to be like a whole, like, Goldilocks scenario happening where it's like medium. Um, you missed. There's a lot of words you left out right there. I'm not quite tracking you. Yeah, we got like you know, big and oh, you're talking like the bears. Now rapper names are gonna be like medium something. 
Yeah, like, oh, wait, mid. My name's Mid Ray. Mm. That doesn't make any sense. No. Nope. Mid doesn't work. Like, just because your name is big or little, is that talking about, like, their height and weight proportion? I don't think so. Like, is Lil B a little guy? He's a very tiny guy. What about Lil Little? Lil Little. Lil Wayne. He's the one that kind of started it. Yeah, he's very tiny, too. Well, he was 13 at that name. Lil Bow Wow. Yeah, I think everyone that is big has a big, and everyone that is little has little. So Big Lil would just be like maybe a tall, really skinny guy. Do we have any more sponsors? Let's wrap this up. Yeah. Um... My nose is killing me. So, uh, today's show was brought to you by... Oh, hey, shit. man. Dude, it's, everyone's seen this movie. No, it's no one. I in have not seen this movie. You should see the movie. Twat. I'm sorry, Corey. I'm very sorry. I did. I know you had seen the movie. I what thought the hell? you saw the movie. We have like thousands of listeners. There's a lot of people who haven't seen this movie. There I is a rule, though. You're cutting this out. We're cutting this out. If a movie has made a billion dollars worldwide at the box office, you can spoil it. All right, I'll beep this out. I'll put like a beep so people will be like, what? Yeah. I'm so sorry. You're a twat. You're a walking twat. <laughs> Who hasn't seen this fucking movie? What's wrong with you? Uh... Played. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can see the anger on your face. I'm so sorry. I feel like I was, I'm going to buy you two housewarming presents now. I, yeah. I apologize. Yeah, that, that bottle of whiskey you get me better be nice. I saw. I'm so sorry. Um, so our our medium page, medium.com slash Bitcoin podcast. It's out there. We write. Corey's written most recently. Uh, you can hop into the Slack right now. Pull over, stop your car, go to Slack, go to the Bitcoin Podcast.slack.com. No, don't do Sign that. Up. Stop doing stop giving people bad instructions. Go to the Bitcoin Podcast.com. There's a Slack link on the nav bar. Click on that. It'll take you to the place to get signed up. Yep. Do that. Deep. Yep. Or I have it pinned on my Twitter. Uh Cello tweets it out now time and time again. But we want you to stop driving right now. Go. BitcoinPodcast.com. Click Slack. Join Slack. Uh, um, I'll be in Consensus in New York this week, along with Colin from Hashing It Out. If you want to get a hold of me, I'll be there. I can't promise seeing you, but I'd like to if I can. So just get somehow find a way to contact us. You can email me at petty at TheBitcoinPodcast.com. Holla or send me on Twitter at Core Petty. Mm-hmm. Try and figure something out. Holla, 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 holla. Um, we also have a litany of other shows that show on the Bitcoin Podcast Network now. So TBP and the Bitcoin Podcast Network, in case you guys have been living under a rock while subscribed to this feed, uh, there's many, many shows that we uh, bump out at you. Um, Evan Vaness has some stuff cooked up that he wants to drop on you from an Ethereum podcast. Um, Reese, I believe, has something coming up. There's going to be lots of hot fire coming from the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Um, uh, just the headers is a regular show. 
um, about the news um, that Jesse broke. So he's in the Slack community as at broke. And he and I kind of go through the headlines as best as we can because there's so many. Um, and we give that to you guys on Fridays. Um, what, what, what else do we do? Cello, is there anything that I'm missing? Yeah, I want to, you know, there's a My Fighter uh, channel on the Slack. Uh, by the time this episode airs, the fights will be over. But for future fights, I'll be in there. You want to talk live stream? Make bets. Yep. Make bets with crypto. I'll entertain it. Chell does them baby bets, though. He's like, I'll bet you half a box of Honey Nut Cheerios that well, I lose all the time. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for, for those who haven't been listening to the show for very often or for very long, Cello bet me like, I don't know, six or seven fights in a row on a bunch of things and lost every single time. So I think he's, he's mm-hmm. lost his, his will to, to bet me. Yeah. <laughs> he's disgruntled. I've crushed him with my superior guessing abilities. Well, Corey doesn't even know who's fighting until I like I tell him who's fighting. He's like, "Oh, that guy's gonna win." It's I'm the like, equivalent what? of like your girlfriend <laughs> winning fantasy football because she briefly yeah. <laughs> drafted based on colors. Mm, that's gotta hurt. Don't Cello. get me wrong; I understand fighting, and I have and I have favorites, but I'm not I'm not following nearly as closely as Cello is. But it doesn't matter because I don't I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Cello's out here now, like, "Hey, I'll bet you a bag of Jolly Ranchers," and he's like, "What? What kind of bet is that?" It's like it's a win-win, really. Because I get the I get Jolly Ranchers too. So <laughs> anyways. Uh guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. This is episode 201. 202. 202. Uh <laughs> we know exactly what we're doing here. We're professionals. Um oh yeah, oh yeah, oh and, yeah. And for those that don't know who are listening to this, uh check out the YouTube channel. You can you can subscribe to us on YouTube because we're now we're we're putting the episodes out in video as well. So yeah. if you prefer ingesting via that content mechanism go to the bitcoin podcast or you youtube slash the bitcoin too. podcast and subscribe and tell us what you would like yeah. us to do if you want us to start live streaming let us know live um you can see how Corey wakes up with his hair in i'm going to work mode yeah i, I don't took, get it i just got out of the shower and this is what it looks like i didn't put anything in it you are a blessed irish man Holla. Blessed Irish man. All right. So, um, well, that's it, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Um, think what you will about Roger Ver, but he is a passionate man. Play the outro. <laughs>